Hi there, my name is Adam Waters, and I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Bible Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. I'm just so glad that you made the decision to take us along with you this week on life's journey. Here at Grace Bible Church, we are a family of faith who seeks forgiveness, healing, and hope in Jesus Christ. Now, we might all come from different backgrounds, but each of us recognize that the tremendous needs in our lives point us to one place, to God, for His answers, His provision, and mostly, for His grace. I hope the following program gives you a new perspective on who God is, who you are, and how you too might find forgiveness, healing, and hope in our Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. Today's scripture, we're continuing in Luke 1, starting in verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the country hill of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she cried out, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. This week we made a social media post of our favorite Christmas movies. Who posted? Who commented on there? Okay, let's hear some of them. Adam, your favorite. You stole it. That's the one I'm going to finish on. We'll come back to it. Next one. Die Hard, okay. YOLO. It's a wonderful life. Amen. That's absolutely right. There's so many, right? A Christmas story, got your red rubber BB gun. Um, I think uh, my favorite is uh, Elf. I watched it last year, and I was just like, <laughs> I love this movie. This is just, I wish I were buddies sometimes, you know? Uh, we have a friend who pours maple syrup in all of his coffee and over all of his, we call him Buddy all the time. It's actually pretty funny. Buddy is a sort of naive uh, human who was born to uh, a human and accidentally made it to the North Pole in Santa's bag. And he's raised, if you haven't seen the movie, as an elf, but he's about three times the size of every other one of his brothers and sisters. One day he realizes he's adopted. Surprise, surprise. And he goes to New York to find his biological uh, parents. He finds his uh, father, and there's the whole storyline, such a wonderful uh, movie. Towards the end, Santa comes to New York, and his sleigh breaks down in Central Park. And, their tra- and Buddy is, by, by the way, sort of the mechanic on the sleigh, and he seems to uh, know what he's doing, but he always fails to do it just right. And so Santa's urging Buddy, come on, Buddy, you can fix it, you can fix it, and he's trying, but as hard as he might, the sleigh won't fly. The reason the sleigh won't fly is because there's a deficit of Christmas spirit in the world. And so in order to generate that Christmas spirit, one of the other characters begins singing carols in the middle of Central Park. Everyone starts singing. The Christmas spirit comes. The sleigh flies, and Christmas is saved. You know, in the Christmas season, it's common to seek this thing we call Christmas spirit. 
isn't it? We uh, look at all the trappings, the movies, for instance, like I just talk, talked about. Uh, I just lost my sermon. Oh, technology. We look at all of the trappings. We look at the movies. We look at the food. We look at the, uh, the parties, right? Last night we had our own family uh, Christmas party. We look at... <laughs> hey, Justin, can you bring me the, my sermon that's been printed? We're going old school. Thanks, bro. We look at our family traditions. Don't we, same time every year, we meet at this time, we have this specific food, we do this specific thing, and we use that to mark the time. It's another Christmas season. We use it to remind us of what the season actually is. You know, the problem with that is that these things, in fact, do change, and they really meet us in a place of our own fickleness. Well, it doesn't feel like Christmas, so we try harder and we double down. We drink uh, more peppermint mocha lattes. We uh, watch more Christmas movies. We put more potpourri, hang more mistletoe, have a grander tree. We do all of these things to try to bring ourselves back to the Christmas spirit. Now, for some of us, that's one side. The other side is we just want to sort of bury our heads in the sand and come back on December 26th. For some of us, Christmas is a really difficult time. You know, not all of us have wonderful families. Some of us have very troubled pasts. Some of us have memories that we just don't want to remember on Christmas Day. You know, for some of us, the holidays are really horror days. They're days that we wish we would just be able to go someplace, do something else, and think about something altogether different. I believe part of the reason that we struggle during the holiday season is that we're looking for that thing or a feeling, that Christmas spirit, when we should be looking for a person, the Holy Spirit. So I propose to you that we think in less of terms of Christmas spirit and more in terms of the Holy Spirit of Christmas. The Holy Spirit of Christmas. For it's in Him that we find what we're really seeking. What we're really looking for when we're trying to create our external world to bring us to a place, a feeling of this Christmas time. The Holy Spirit of Christmas produces within us that which is necessary to make every Christmas, in fact, every day, meaningful. The Holy Spirit of Christmas produces true joy, true fellowship, and true praise. So turn with me to this uh, passage, Luke 1, 39 through 45. It'll be up on the screen as well, but if you have your Bibles or you want to use a pew Bible, we're going to look at this account. This has been called, uh, throughout church history, The Visitation. In fact, we have a church here in town named after this very account, The Visitation. It's Mary's visitation to Elizabeth. It recounts this time where Mary, after learning that she would be, um, that she would be found with child from the Holy Spirit, she uh, shortly thereafter, goes to her cousin, Elizabeth, who's much older, and um, really goes there perhaps, probably to celebrate. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. So it's in the days leading up to the very first Christmas. And I want you to see how the Holy Spirit of Christmas in this account moves and energizes this scene, this beautiful scene. So look at verse 39. At this time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home 
and greeted Elizabeth. We talked about this last week a little bit. Zechariah was the priest uh, this year. Elizabeth was his wife. She was in her 60s, barren her whole life, unable to have children. The angel declares to Zechariah that he will be the father of a son and you shall name him John. For those of you who know the story, Zechariah doesn't believe, doesn't believe the angel. He says, how is this even possible? My wife's beyond the age of having children. He says, I have an idea. How about I make you mute until the child is born, until you name him John. It's only then that I will give you your voice back. You know, and so Mary rushes to Elizabeth's home, and we see this meeting of two expecting mothers of very unexpected circumstances. As I research this, some theologians wonder, and biblical scholars wonder, why did Mary go to Elizabeth at this time? Some say that perhaps Mary went because she was verifying the words of the angel Gabriel to her. Because the angel does say, behold, look, your relative is with child as well. But for me, that doesn't seem to wash with who we know Mary to be. Mary's a young girl of faithfulness. She believes. In fact, Elizabeth says that in this passage today. Blessed are you as the one who believes that the Lord would fulfill his promises to you. So I don't think that's it. Other theologians or scholars look and say, well, maybe Mary was going, and there's some merit to this, out of danger. This was a time when um, a person who was betrothed, so this young girl, Mary, maybe 12, 13 years old, today she would have been a middle schooler was pregnant with a child, and she was a virgin. So suddenly she appears in town. She's carrying a baby. What would the townspeople think? At that time, it was treated quite harshly when somebody committed adultery, and that's what this would have been called, adultery. So perhaps Mary fled from her hometown of Nazareth to find safety and respite in the house of Elizabeth. But I don't think that passage, this passage, supports that either. This is what I think is happening. I think Mary is going to celebrate the Lord's working in her life with one, maybe the only one who would understand. Another person with whom the Lord is working. Another person who has had their life impacted greatly by God. Someone with whom she could find true joy and celebrate the miracle of this baby in their wombs. Look at verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you, young, are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. The original Greek, and we hear it maybe in the King James and other versions, is the fruit of your womb. Such a beautiful line, the fruit of your womb. So there's three things out of this text today that I want us to see, that I want us to sort of lean into as we try to find that feeling, that true Christmas spirit, that Holy Spirit of Christmas in our own lives. The first principle is that the Holy Spirit of Christmas produces true joy. Look at how the Spirit is working in this scene. Look at how the Spirit is working with each of the characters. First, Mary, of course. It says last week in the passage before this that the Holy Spirit would overpower Mary, would bring his shadow upon her, and she would conceive a child. Elizabeth would be born by a miraculous... Elizabeth would become pregnant and give birth to John by a miraculous working of the Holy Spirit. John, the baby, in Elizabeth's womb at this time, 
it says, and we'll see, that he will be filled even from the womb with the Holy Spirit. And we see them come together in this spirit of celebration, in this spirit of joy upon their meeting. Elizabeth, when she hears Mary's voice, when the voice hits her ears, the baby leaps for joy, and Elizabeth exultantly proclaims the goodness of God. I find it so special in this passage that John, even in the womb, when he hears the voice of Mary, the mother of his Lord, says, leaps with great joy within her. Leaps with great joy. He knew even then that that baby carried in Mary's womb, maybe just a few weeks of gestation, was king of king and lord of lords, and that that child would change everything. I mean, we hear it in Elizabeth's words when she said, who am I that the mother of my Lord? Here is this woman who's in her 60s probably, declaring that this little yet-born baby is her God. In Luke 1.14, when uh, the angel is declaring to Zechariah about the baby that his wife would carry, says this, and you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. This is John. For he will be great among the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. When I look at this scene, I see a joy-empowered scene, a scene empowered and innervated by the Holy Spirit of Christmas. You know, when we look to the things of this world, we're going to find things that are transient, things that are sure to fail. We think of our, our jobs. There's no guarantee. There's always going to be someone coming up who's going to... I've learned this in my life. There's always someone smarter. There's always someone smarter. We can't predict the economy. We see what the inflation is doing now. We don't know what's going to happen in the coming days. So we can't look to our careers. We can't look to our jobs as the source of our peace, the source of our joy. We look at our families. We look at our homes. We look at our competency. We look at all of these things that we place all of our trust in. But in the end, these things are not for sure. These things can change. And so when we place our joy on them or seek our joy in them and they fail, what do we have to hold on to? We have nothing. We have nothing. The best these things can do is bring happiness. In fact, the word happiness brings this out. The word happiness has within it the word happening or happen. It comes from the Old English. It's from the idea of an occurrence. So when it an occurrence occurs in a life that brings something good, we have happiness. Joy is something different. Joy is something that we have no matter what the circumstances. Joy is something that we seek even when things are hard. What are you searching? Where are you looking for your joy this Christmas season? Where are you searching for Christmas spirit? Are you hanging more decorations? Are you buying more stuff? Are you beating more good smells, baking more cookies, going to more parties? Maybe you're having a hard time this year. Or circumstances are not what you would have them to be. This Christmas does not seem exciting to you at all. Maybe the joy that you once felt is gone. You know, I, and I'm, I certainly feel this too. Um, yesterday, like I said, we had our family Christmas party. And as we were driving home, I was just kind of reflecting. And I thought, you know what? It was great. It was nice to see all the kids grown. It's been like a year since I've seen them, some of them. But it just didn't feel like Christmas. I harken back to when I was like, you know, eight. How come Christmas can't feel like that? 
So I'm driving, and I'm thinking, you know what I realize is that at eight years old, you don't do anything. Everything's done for you. All you got to do is show up. It's like the whole party's for you. Now I know what my mother and father felt like when they were seeking to create an experience for me that they maybe were trying to recreate for themselves and failing. When we look to the things of this world to find our joy, we're going to be disappointed. Look to the Holy Spirit of Christmas for your joy. The Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, when he comes to live within us, he is the one who produces joy because he is the one who allows us to see life as it is and the truth of our circumstances. There's joy in that. When we recognize that there's nothing we can do to make God love us less, (laughs) there's joy in that. I can stop working. I can stop straining to earn God's acceptance. The Holy Spirit works in our hearts to remind us that there's nothing we can do to make God love us more. Did you ever think about that? Some of us hold on and say, yeah, I know I can't make God love me more or less. That he's the God of love, he's going to love me no matter what. But God cannot love you more than he does right now. And that's a truth that gets exposed to our heart that we internalize through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that we look to at Christmas. Look for the Holy Spirit this Christmas. Choose to be mindful of the Spirit of God moving around you. Be mindful of the Spirit of God moving in you. This Christmas, just as I was driving home last night reflecting on on what I had experienced, I encourage you to take time. When everything's, it sounded like a madhouse last night. The kids were all down in the basement. It sounded like there was a crime scene happening down there, okay? When those sounds are going crazy, when you're stuffed with food, take a moment. The Spirit's going to prompt you. The Spirit's going to say, hey, remember, this is about me. This is about Jesus. And take that moment to think, what does this all mean? What do I have to be thankful for? Jesus, the greatest gift of all, what does that gift mean for me? And have I received that in this moment? When we look to God and the work he has done in our lives and on our behalf, we do find reason to rejoice with true joy no matter what happens. We look to the forgiveness that we have in Christ. We look to the fact that there was a time when we were lost and out there. There was a time that we were wandering away from God. There was a time out of our own choice and of who we were that we were apart from the grace of God and God, out of his love for us, opens our eyes and forgives us because of what Christ, what this baby came to do, die. Christmas, we are forgiven because of Christmas. (laughs) We are forgiven because of Christmas. Secondly, healing. Christmas is a commemoration of Christ's birth that we might be healed, either in this life through the power of the Spirit, or wholly healed and perfect in the next. I look forward to that day. I don't know about you. I look forward to that day that I will one day stand before God in a place that he promises will be his dwelling place with me. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, it says in Revelation. And he shall wipe away every tear and there shall be no more mourning nor crying nor pain. I bank on that promise. I can't wait for that to be a reality in my life. Christmas is the only way that can happen. Christ comes to die on my behalf on your behalf, that one day we might stand whole and complete in bliss with him forever. Not floating around on a cloud. We don't get angels' wings. Sorry, it's a wonderful life. 
There will be a time where everything that we suffer with here, things we don't even realize we're dealing with, will be gone. And we'll be completely free to be the people we are created to be without the taint of sin. Christmas is the promise of that. This Christmas, look to that and trust in that in your present, that one day we are healed. And finally, hope. Christmas is a commemoration of that the king has been born. A king. We sang the words today. A king, though a child. We have hope for the future that one day a king will reign because of Christmas. Christmas is the time. It should be every day. Every day should be this. But this, I'm encouraging you, this Christmas, reflect on where you were, what God is doing in your lives because of the Savior who was born. And the hope that his birth has brought to the entire world, including you. The only thing greater than joy, I think, is joy shared. It's being able to celebrate something that God has done in my life and going to tell somebody. I mean, think about it. You hear stories about people winning the lottery. Like, what's the first thing you did? I called my mother. I told my wife. I had to share it. I didn't know who to tell, but I knew that it was somebody. They have to share it. When preparing a sermon series, I often spend time looking for just the right word. And I really do love words. Often I find a word that is really accurate, but it's not well known. And so today is a word that I want us to talk about briefly as we talk about joy in the context of fellowship. That's what we're going to say next. The word is mirth. Who's ever heard of the word mirth? It's like it's a few people. Mirth. It's that warm, joyous feeling. Think about this. It's snowing outside. Everyone's in a warm, lit room family. They're celebrating, maybe singing a song. And there's this sense of togetherness. It's that idea that we really are all seeking when we think about Christmas. It's mirth. And so not only is joy something that the Holy Spirit of Christmas brings us, but fellowship, and that's what that mirth is, that joy meets fellowship idea. So the second point, the Holy Spirit of Christmas produces true fellowship. Elizabeth says, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill her promises to her. Elizabeth was the only person who would have understood Mary's situation. It's an unexpected pregnancy. Their significant others are not present in the fullest extent. Think about Elizabeth. Elizabeth becomes pregnant with John. Zechariah doesn't believe that it's going to happen, so the angel makes him mute until the baby is born. So now here's Elizabeth, 60 years old, pregnant with her first baby, wanting so badly to share with her husband about what is happening, how she's feeling, and to hear what he has to say. And the best he could do is write on a chalkboard. I don't know, back then maybe clay tablets or something, right? She cannot have that full relationship and interaction with her husband, the one person on this earth that she was in, intended, made to have that with. And Mary. Mary becomes pregnant and she finds out, like we said last week, probably at the time she said, may it be so. She now carries a child in her womb, a virgin conception. There's a time when Joseph is ticked says he's a good man and he resolves to divorce her quietly but that intervening period from the time that she tells that he's preg that she's pregnant 
to the time she arrives at Elizabeth's house could very well be the time that Joseph is contemplating divorce. So now Mary is carrying this child. There's no one to share the joy. I mean, think of Joseph. This, this woman, this young girl that you're betrothed to, that you're engaged to be married, comes to you and says, I'm pregnant. What's the first thing he thinks? She cheated on me. What does Mary say? No, you don't understand. An angel of God appeared to me and said that I'm going to carry the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Be Joseph for a second. Yeah, right. He didn't believe her. He was going to divorce her. It wasn't until the angel appeared to Joseph later and said, do not fear, take Mary to be your wife, for the child in her womb is holy. It's only then that he arises and takes her to be his wife. So the time when Mary shows up here at Elizabeth's house, it's very likely that Joseph does not want anything to do with Mary. So what does Mary do? She comes to the one person that would understand the situation she is in, the one person where she can find true fellowship, the one person who would understand. Mary and Elizabeth, because of their shared stories, are able to find this interaction, even though that by all other accounts, they're very different. Now, they're related, but think about this. Mary grew up in Galilee, Nazareth. Nazareth, we talked about backwater town, Galilee, sort of the other side of the track. She's like a 12, 13-year-old girl from a no-name town in a no-name area of, Elizabeth, of Israel. Elizabeth, on the other hand, is the wife of a pastor. She's the wife of the priest, lives in the good, the bougie hill country of Judea, right outside the suburbs of Jerusalem. And she's 60. These two very different people come together and find true fellowship out of their aligned and common story in the Lord. This is something that's so wonderful about the family of God. I could go anywhere. I'm sure you can relate to this. And you meet another believer, and immediately there's a connection. It doesn't matter where they're from, what they look like. There's a connection because that Holy Spirit within us, the spirit that ties us together, makes that happen. In this passage, we see the true elements of the fellowship because fellowship just doesn't happen. One of them is it's humility. Elizabeth says, who am I? Who am I that the mother of my Lord should visit me? tells Mary that blessed are you and she exalts Mary and exalts the child in her womb. There's a sense of togetherness and fellowship, of proximity and relationship. This is why it's been so hard during COVID, isn't it? That we've been apart. I mean, we try to do Zoom and yeah, we might technically get the information across, but there's something about this heart to heart. There's something about this connection that when we were made like two magnets coming together, we were made to be close. Only the Spirit can make that happen, though, the Spirit that ties us together. And a shared story. Like I said, Mary and Elizabeth had very different backgrounds, yet they were aligned together in a larger story. They were both part of a larger working of God, and each of us are as well. Do you realize that? That as part of the body of Christ and in the church, we all have a place. We all have a part. The Holy Spirit gives us individual gifts, gives us individual passions, and we work together like a Swiss watch. Everyone's got their peace, and when everyone's doing what it is that God has built them to do, we run on time. But only the Spirit makes that happen. So look to the Spirit. Third principle for this morning, the Holy Spirit of Christmas produces true praise. It says Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit, 
uh, it says, filled with the Spirit, Elizabeth proclaims these truths about Mary and about her child. She says, blessed are you and blessed is your child. Elizabeth declares praise and affirmation, first of Mary's blessedness, as her gracious office is the mother of the Lord. The mother of the Lord. There's nothing like speaking a blessing upon others in their time of both crisis and celebration. Here's Mary coming to Elizabeth, likely very confused. Her man ain't happy with her, and she doesn't know what's going to happen. The whole town could be angry with her. Yet she arrives at Elizabeth's house and hears, Blessed are you. Blessed are you. How often do we need to hear a blessing spoken to us? You know, in uh, the book of Genesis, there's the Abrahamic covenant. And part of what God tells Abraham to do, he says, you know, you're going to be a blessing. And he actually gives it in the imperative. He says, be a blessing. When we realize that that word blessing is more than just like doing nice things, really the core element in that idea of blessing is speaking goodness over somebody else. It's declaring something. What if we lived at a place? What if our whole life was punctuated by us telling others how much we love them? how much they mean to us, what gifts we see God has implanted in them, and then affirming that and encouraging them. What might our life look like? What might our church look like? If we came in on Sunday morning and the first thing we heard was, you're awesome. I'm glad you're here. I see God doing this in you, and I just want to tell you, you should let him do it. I think God's doing something. Or I know you're struggling. This has been a really hard time. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. I was recently at a funeral and I was so blessed that when I was at the visitation and I was so blessed when I came in, someone from the church was praying with the, the wife of the one who had died. And it felt like an unexpected moment, perhaps, in the context of where we were. But right there, everything just stopped and I feel like the whole world stopped at that moment and God was right there in that place. We should be that blessing to people. We should be that blessing. Not only was she affirming and praising Mary's blessedness, but she was affirming the lordship of her nephew, that yet-born baby, Jesus. It's in the power of the Holy Spirit of Christmas that she proclaims praise unto Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but this morning, you know what, this morning's been pretty good in terms of music. It's, it's good. We're, we're, we're doing something right now. I think God is smiling upon us as we celebrate him today. But there are times I don't feel the words I'm singing. There are times I'm just singing what I'm supposed to sing, so I'm not there standing, not singing. And other people say, well, why is the pastor not singing? Ooh, I wonder what's going on in his life. Just kidding, you're not like that. No, but you know, there are times we just don't feel like singing. And we just sing the words, our mind is elsewhere, so on and so forth. But there are times we need to look to the Spirit in those moments and say, Lord, restore to me, Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of my salvation and renew me, uphold me with a willing spirit. There are times that we need to think about the Spirit and ask the Spirit to come into our lives to open our eyes to the truths we sing, especially around Christmas time. Because we make it about the songs and less about the person the song is speaking about. We need to look to the true meaning of, of Christmas, and this is where the Holy Spirit of Christmas works when we ask him to. So, just a few application points for this morning. 
How do we restore? How do we reclaim? How do we find again true joy, true fellowship, and true celebration? Consider your salvation in terms of your identity and your destination. Remind yourself who you are. I'm a child of God. Remind yourself where you're going. That one day I will be in heaven healed and whole. And I won't deal with this life the way it is and all of the difficult things. Two, consider your blessings. Consider everything you can be grateful for. We live in an area of the world. We've been born to families that we're like top one percenters when you take the whole world into account. When you think about what value is and how the average person around the world only lives on less than about a dollar a day, when you think about that, we have... There should be, we should, none of us should be complaining. We should have no complaints whatsoever. It's when we look to our blessings and what God has given us that we find true, true joy and perspective. Consider, your, consider others as more important than yourself. It's going to be a really important, a hard lesson for some of for me too, trust me. It's not about you. It's not about you. When you're at your Christmas party and you're wanting something to go a certain way and you want this plate on this side and this plate on this side, it's not about you. Let them do what they want. When someone wants to open a gift first and another one's irritated because they don't, it's not about them, it's not about you, it's about the other. If you live your life as if everything is about the other person and fulfilling what they need first, trusting God to fulfill your needs instead of demanding what it is you want, 90% of the trouble of holidays and family will go away. Okay? Let them do what they want. Trust the Lord to fulfill your needs. Remind yourself that Christmas is a cause for gratitude and not greed. Gratitude and not greed. There are times that, you know, I was on Amazon yesterday buying Christmas presents. I started to get off into the weeds and buy an Adam Christmas presents. And I was like, no, this is not, this is not it. Christmas is all about stuff here. Stuff. I wonder what Christmas looked like in the first century when they were in the furnace, when they were being persecuted because they knew that the Messiah was real, had died and ascended to heaven. They're being driven out of their homes. Jews didn't have, the believing Jews didn't have homes. They took their homes. They took their property. They wouldn't sell to them. Completely alienated. The only people they had were each other, the church. I wonder what Christmas looked like then. And finally, this is one that I was alluding to, I think that is important for us. When we sing carols and Christmas hymns this year, think about what you're singing. I think there is no, I, I, I love music, but there is no music for me that is as theologically rich as most of the Christmas hymns we sing. These are some of the most exalted and lofty ideas about who we are, about who Jesus is, and about the plan of salvation. Deep, rich meaning to these words. More than that, this is the one time a year that people outside of the church sing our music. Sing our music. We went to a, a tree lighting ceremony a few weeks ago, and there were carolers there, and they were singing Christian music, Christian hymns. Now, I don't know how everyone who, you know, the hundreds of people standing around listening to them, I don't know their spiritual state. I don't know where they were or what, you know, how they worship. 
But I do know this, is that they were singing our music. As children of God, we have the responsibility to know what it is we're singing better than they do, oftentimes so we can explain. And so we do that. This year when we sing music, Christmas Eve, when we're singing 15 songs, I challenge you, think about what it is that you're singing. Ask the Holy Spirit of Christmas to open your eyes to these truths so that Christmas would be a place where you would find true joy, true fellowship, and true praise. I love you guys. I'm grateful for you guys. When I come to church on Sunday and I see my brothers and sisters assembled here, waiting and excited to be together and to praise the Lord, it gives me joy. When I think about the fact that the Holy Spirit, who's in each of us, connects us in some mysterious way, unifies us in some mysterious way, and to think that my life is part of your life and your life is part of mine. I can only praise God. I can only praise God. So this moment we're about to get up and we're about to sing. When we rise and sing, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about not only what Christ has done with you as you sing these words, as you read their meaning, but I want you to think about how together as one family and one fellowship and in true joy, we are proclaiming the true praise of God together. Let's, let's pray. Father, as we come before you in a moment, Lord, to stand and sing your praises and the praise of your Son through the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray, Father, that you would bring to our mind the truth that we are united together the truth that your son came to live and die on our behalf. And because of your spirit, Lord, we are unified as one body. We pray, Lord, that this moment would be a celebration of you and your son, Jesus. We pray, Lord, that this moment would be a time when you shine your smile upon us. Look upon us, Lord, as we praise you for what you've done and who you are. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Adam here. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in to Grace Bible Church, and I would love to hear what you thought of today's program or of ways that we can be praying for you and with you. So check us out on social media at GBCL. Also, if you would like to support our ministry, you can give securely at our website at www.gbclm.org. Now remember, God loves you, and so do we.